Hello, and welcome back to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. This week, we are going to talk about how to successfully grow peaches and nectarines. If you are new to the podcast, welcome and thank you for listening. And if you are a returning listener, welcome back and thank you for your continued support. I always appreciate any positive reviews and comments wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell your friends and neighbors about us. Now, to get started, peaches and nectarines are actually the same species. The nectarine is almost like a peach used nair hair remover because they're fuzzless. Otherwise, they're just the same thing. But we can and grow many more peaches than we do nectarines. Peaches are considered stone fruits like the cherries, apricots, and plums. Most of us don't really think about where our fruit actually is native to, to where we can just walk into a garden center and purchase a peach. But at least to some, it's interesting to know where fruit originated. And in this case, peaches are actually native to China. They were domesticated there. Their use spread to the Middle East and then into Europe. And from there, as the Middle Eastern and Europeans explored new parts of the world to them, peaches were planted in many different areas. Because peaches are grown in such a wide variety of areas with such different climates, that there's been a lot of breeding and selection that's taken place to make that possible. And so when you eat a peach that was grown in North Florida or Georgia, that tree would likely struggle in the Intermountain West climate. And so when you're shopping for peaches, you need to be aware of a few different things. The first is the number of chill hours a peach variety requires to break dormancy in the spring. The reason this is important is because peaches grown in warmer climates such as Arizona, California, Florida have very very low chill requirements. And so what this does is that it allows the peach to go through their mild winter and then flower in the spring. But peaches grown in more northern climates, such as Colorado, Utah, or maybe even Michigan, have a lot higher chill requirement. This keeps the peach dormant longer, causes it to bloom later, making it so that we can actually have them bloom at a more optimal time and raise fruit here. The other thing to be aware of is the actual rootstock. A lot of times peaches will be on a rootstock suited for particular climates, And so peaches, let's say you were growing a Red Haven peach in California, the rootstock on that Red Haven peach there would be different than one that we would grow in Utah or Colorado or colder areas. The common rootstock that we see here is Lovell, spelled L-O-V-E-L-L. Bailey is sometimes seen along with a few others. These cold-hardy rootstocks make it more possible to grow the trees here, but oftentimes bring with them another issue in that they're usually more susceptible to a condition called iron chlorosis. This is where the tree lacks the ability to uptake sufficient iron out of the soil, and so we oftentimes end up applying chelated iron to the soil in early to mid-spring to help the peaches have enough iron to remain healthy. A lack of iron in the tree oftentimes results in yellow leaves with light green veins. It reduces cold hardiness and causes other issues and makes the tree more susceptible to pests and diseases. Now, before we get into particular varieties, one other topic that we should talk about 
are common pests and diseases of peaches and nectarines. Now, the pest of greatest concern is called greater peach tree borer, B-O-R-E-R. This is an insect that looks like a wasp, but it's really a moth. It's a mimic. And the greater peach tree borer adults will mate and lay eggs from early to mid-June into mid-September. And so there is not a once-and-done treatment for this particular pest. There are several sprays available. One organic, one is spinosad. There are others such as permethrin and seven. You need to consult the label on how often to apply these, but generally spinosad will only last for about seven to maybe 14 days to where permethrin and seven will last anywhere from two to four weeks. But again, consult your labels for specifics. Now, the major disease of concern is called Corinium blight. I talked a little bit about it last week in our cherries episode, but I'll mention it briefly again. Corinium blight can get into the leaves and branches. It is a disease that looks like you've taken a shotgun from distance and shot at a tree, and there's a bunch of little holes in the leaves, hence its other name, shot hole fungus. The disease or the fungus can also infect the branches and buds, and what you will see when it's not pruned out and left untreated is that the limbs will start to decline here and there, and it eventually can impact the health of a tree and allow other things to get into it that would cause its death. I will include a hyperlink for specifics about corinium blight and also peach tree borer in the show notes. Before getting into specific varieties, I should explain that there are a few different types of peaches. Now, there's all sorts of ways to classify this, but as far as the fruit goes, they generally will come in yellow-fleshed and white-fleshed varieties. The white-fleshed varieties are much more popular in China and Asia and have a lot of sweetness to them as compared to the yellow ones, but less flavored depth whereas the yellow peaches can still be quite sweet, they have a lot more flavor to them as far as subtleties, and so it just depends on where you're from, I guess, and what you're raised with. Now, if you've ever seen donut peaches, those little flat, round peaches that are sometimes sold as Saturn peaches, those are a type of white peach. Now, one other thing to be aware of as far as peach varieties is that they are either what's called clingstone or freestone. Freestone peaches are those that when you break them in half or peel them in half from the stem end will peel apart and the stone stays on one side and easily comes out of the flesh. A clingstone will not do that and you have to use a knife to cut it apart and then still pry the pit out of it. Most seed-grown peaches are going to be clingstone because the clingstone trait is a dominant trait. Any peach that ripens after about Red Haven, which along the Wasatch Front is a late July peach, should almost always be freestone unless otherwise noted by the vendor. Now, there are dozens of varieties of peaches that can be easily grown here. What I want to do is start with some that are a little bit more cold hardy. And so if you live in warmer areas of the Cache Valley, such as the benches or similar areas, some of these peaches may be for you. They would include things like Veteran, PF24C Cold Hardy, Reliance, Red Haven, and Contender. Now, of these peaches, all of them taste quite good. 
Reliance is the most cold hardy and probably, I won't call it the worst tasting peach, but the one that has a little less flavor, but is still good right off the tree. For canning, Veteran is a really good canning variety, along with the PF24C Cold Hardy, at least from those I know who have it that have canned it. Some other Cold Hardy peach varieties include Madison, Loring, and Canadian Harmony. For peach varieties that are more appropriate for the Wasatch Front, there are so many. Let's start with the Nectarines, where three common varieties include Flavor Top, Sun Glow, and Fantasia. Now, as far as peach varieties, there are so many, as I said, but this is just a list of a few of them from a USU Extension fact sheet. Flame and Fury, PF1, Red Globe, Lucky 13, Glow Haven, Early Alberta, Alberta, Madison, Suncrest, J.H. Hill, Angeles, and O'Henry. Now, one thing you should note about peaches is that we actually have a pretty long season in which they will ripen depending on the variety. Traditionally, along the Wasatch Front, the earliest peaches, such as varieties like Fourth of July, will ripen, but you need to be in a quite a warm area along the Wasatch Front to pull that off that early in the season. So places like Kaysville, Fruit Heights, the Orem Bench, maybe the Willard Bench, areas you could do that. But if you're in lower-lying areas in the valley floors, you know, around airports or similar, the earliest peaches that ripen in late June and early July probably shouldn't be tried. Another thing to consider if you want multiple trees is that you really don't need to plant the same variety for all of the trees you own. An example of this includes the Alberta peaches. There's Early Alberta, Gleason's Alberta, Lemon Alberta, Regular Alberta, and others out there. But people love these Alberta peaches because of their lack of red color in the skin and flesh. They can quite firm, and then they don't develop a redder color in the syrup when you preserve them. However, if you've tried to can Alberta peaches and you have four trees or eight trees worth, and it's just you and a few others trying to can them all at once... You'll be fighting with each other and throwing peaches and things that it won't really get that bad. But the point is, you have to get all of those peaches preserved that quickly. So what I would recommend doing is plant peaches that ripen at different times. An example of this, if you lived in a warmer area of the Wasatch Front, would be to start with a previously mentioned 4th of July peach. You could then move to early Red Haven, which ripens in mid-July and then to regular Red Haven that ripens in late July to early August. Anything that ripens after Red Haven is usually a decent to quite a good canning peach. As the season moves along, you could move to early Alberta, regular Alberta, and then to something like Angeles and then O'Henry. Now, this is just an example of a way to get peaches from early July until late September, you could use any number of other trees to accomplish the same thing. Before I sign off for the week, I wanted to discuss a little bit about pruning. Peaches and nectarines are traditionally pruned to an open center or an open bowl system. They're the same thing. This involves removing the leader of the tree when you first purchase it and training side branches. I'm not going to focus on this very much because there's YouTube videos, which I can also hyperlink, 
that will discuss pruning peaches much better than I can describe in the podcast. And so, yes, it's possible to grow peaches, but keep in mind that you have to keep the maintenance up. You can't just plant one and walk away and expect a shade tree that happens to have fruit. Peaches left unmaintained will oftentimes be dead within 5 to 10 years of planting, where a peach tree that's properly maintained should last 20 to 30 years in the home orchard. There is so much more we could discuss about peaches, but I think this is a good overview and hopefully gives you some direction on whether you want to grow them in your yard or not. If you want to, I would encourage you to. It's a great experience, a great way to teach kids, and the best way to get fresh fruit that you know exactly where it came from and exactly what was done to it. Thank you again for listening. The Homegrown Horticulture Podcast is a production of Utah State University Extension and is produced out of our Orem office. Have a great day.